Hey guys, and welcome back to Black and Behind the Scenes. I'm Antoinette. And I'm Brittany. Hey Brittany, what's been going on, girl? How you been doing? Um, uh, I've been good. It's been a um emotional week. A lot of things going on in the country. Well, not a lot of things. It's just been an emotional week, I think, between um the inauguration and how historic that was with the um swearing in of Madam Vice President Kamala Harris and um hormones and <laughs> and um just the films that we watched this week and then it being MLK, you know, it was just emotional week for me. I cried several times. <laughs> Just like a big ass baby. <sighs> How about you? Um, it's been it's. I feel like you know things get thrown. It's, it's been it's been a bumpy week to say the least. Um, I'm getting through it though. Um, I just feel like things at this point things are just being thrown at me like a dodgeball, and you have either have to catch it and throw it back or take the hit and keep it. <laughs> Keep it moving. I just, this is nothing. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's just what it is. But yeah, I do agree. I was able to, um, to catch a ceremony as well. And I thought that was really amazing. And, um, the historic, um, swearing in of Kamala, um, to vice president and the fabulousness of Miss Michelle Obama and the hair and the outfit and the Michelle Obama is like, Oh gosh. I can't even put into words like <laughs> all that she is, all that she means to uh as black women especially. She is just that bitch. And you know, and not to just, you know, not bitch in a demeaning way, but like, yo, Absolutely. she is it. Like when I seen her, I was like, Oh my gosh, she looked good. Yeah, she did. Oh my gosh. I mean, just everything. Perfection. Perfect. Absolutely. And her support there with Kamala and just the connection that they had. And um, it was just beautiful. It was overall just really nice. And hopefully things will go back to, you know, we'll get some normalcy eventually. And, you know, things will be like as they were or hopefully better. We'll see. I was about to say, well, let's not as they were. Let's let's progress. progress and on that note what's going on in the industry oh some cool cool things i have for us this week um so starting the first headline um that we have comes from deadline and it states deborah lee former bet network ceo launches new search firm firm to boost diversity on corporate boards. The new initiative is called Monarch Collections, which identifies and onboards extraordinary black talent and women to executive ranks and boards of directors. They equip diverse talent with the leadership skills and savvy required to flourish in boardrooms and thrive in senior leadership roles. They also connect black talented women with each other for growth opportunities. Now, I found this interesting because I didn't honestly understand or didn't get the purpose, not really the purpose, but the prestige of sitting on a board and how great that is. So I had to look into see, like, what does it mean to be a board member and what kind of benefits will you get from that? And why should people want to be board members? 
And so um, if you are on a board, it helps to create wealth. And as a director, you usually receive stock in the company. Lee states that if you serve for a long time, you can accumulate a lot of stock. She says she's all about accumulating wealth in the black community. And it's not about salary. It's about creating wealth. And I thought that was a very powerful statement that she made. Um, and according to Forbes, sitting on a board also adds a considerable amount of prestige and credibility to your name with potential investors, business partners, or even future employers viewing you as being someone who isn't afraid to take new responsibilities and seek new challenges. Ultimately, it helps to positively shape your corporate image and reputation, which can open up doors that previously may have been shut. Deborah Lee has been a board member of over 20 years and stated that sitting on a board has helped her a lot in her career, especially in becoming a CEO. She's set on boards such as for Kodak, Revlon, and is now a director at Warner Media's parent company, AT&T, Burberry, Marriott, Procter & Gamble. So I wanted to highlight this because it also reminded me of kind of the initiative that what Ava DuVernay is currently doing with the Ray Crew, how we reported about that um, a week or so ago. And so Deborah Lee is creating this initiative so that people within these executive um, level positions who want to be a part of the Black Lives, Mover, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and want to figure out how to find diverse, talented um, people within their community boards and black women, how people always say, we don't know where to find them. We don't know where they are and how Deborah Lee is um, combining or coming together to create this initiative to be able to provide the resources for them to say, oh, here's a pool of people that you can choose from that you can have sit on a board because she said at this point she is getting tons of offers to sit on boards and she doesn't understand because she's getting up um, an age as to where she feels that these opportunities should go to someone else. So she's opening the door and creating this new initiative. So what are your thoughts on this, Brittany? I think that's a good look. I mean, in addition to wealth, like you were saying, you know, being a board member for any um, nonprofit or even for-profit company um, is not only going to help you to generate wealth, right, because you become a stakeholder, but because you are a stakeholder in that company, you also have significant influence and power. And um, a lot of the um, presidents and CEOs and, and what have you, these companies answer to the board. So um, I think it's, it's a great look. And like we've always said on this show, it's like we can promote diversity. We can, you know, shout from the rooftops how much it's important to have, you know, people frontline, below the line, crew members. But we also need people in these executive roles and we also need them in the boardroom. So, you know, we need them at every facet, every point of this thing. Right. So it's a good look. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Um, and this is a great way to get that started. So, uh, speaking of getting things started and, um, putting your money where your mouth is basically the next headline that I have comes from Afrotech and it states that YouTube unveils its hashtag YouTube black voices grant recipients to celebrate today's initiatives creator. So according to this announcement, this fund was used to invest in 
Its intention is to pre present fresh narratives that emphasize the intelligent power, authenticity, dignity, and joy of black voices, as well as educate audience about racial justice. Black creators for this initiative have been selected from the US, United Kingdom, Brazil, and Africa. Um, Kenya, Nigeria, and South Africa to be specific all consisting of musicians, beauty um, entrepreneurs, comedians, activists, poets, personal trainers, teachers, parents, photographers, and more. The idea behind the grant is to provide creators with additional resources to help grow their voices on YouTube, um, on their YouTube channel through training workshops, partner support, and of course funding. Some of the YouTubers that I am familiar with that are, have, that are part of the 2021 um, grant recipients are Evelyn from the Internets, The Grapevine, Jade Fox, Kelly Stamps, Kev on Stage, and Terrell. And those are just a few of the names that I'm familiar with that I actually watch their videos um, heavily and subscribe to their channels. Um, Brittany, are you familiar with any of these YouTubers or have you seen the list and um, familiar with anyone on there? <laughs> um, good question. I am familiar with um, Evelyn on the internet. Internet. So I know that's the name. Kev on stage. I'm not a big YouTube watcher. Like I will occasionally go down a YouTube rabbit hole. But as far as like watching it for YouTube um, for content, I am still very much a TV watcher, a film watcher. Um, I'm not... A YouTube girl um, but I do think this is a good look I mean original content is always great I you know I, I like that it's catered to black voices but I think one well let me say this I think YouTube and Google does a good job of um, being diverse or having resources open to um, those who make money or generate money for them, like YouTubers. I know specifically they have those YouTube studios all over the country and they're free for YouTubers, um, but it's only if you have like a certain subscriber amount. So they get to go to these studios and record in them and they have a kitchen set up. They can do whatever setup is available for you and it's professional equipment. I mean, just to add to that and then for those creators to um, have access to the studio and then be able to get this grant, I think is a... Um, is a huge opportunity, but I will say this: I I don't want to just see black voices. America is diverse, um, so I I can't help but to wonder how other racial groups feel. But I ain't talking about white people. I'm talking about <laughs> other people of color feel when they um see these huge um grant. Um, announcements and initiatives specifically targeted at the black community now it's been a long time coming for us and I'm not saying that we don't deserve everything that we are people are trying to throw our way trying to right but I, I want to see more diverse people show me somebody from the Latin the Spanish community show me somebody who is um Indian or Desi or something I, I you know or Asian I don't know. Am I making sense? I know that like once black people thrive, then all these other cultures can also thrive. But I mean, I I want to see other stuff. I agree. No, I absolutely agree because um, 
One of the shows that I have been become a fan of recently is uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is on, I believe, ABC. is a great series that I love to watch. And I love the fact that I'm able to see an Asian-American family who were immigrants or his family were immigrants that came over and kind of hear that story, as well as Indian stories I've seen. And I also love, I believe it's called, um, it's called Gentrified, but I think it's in Spanish on Netflix. Um, but that's a Hispanic story that's being told about the gentrification happening in LA. I love stories from other cultures because I get to learn about them as well and what the, the things that they're going through and how we have similarities and how we can connect and just learn from other people. So I absolutely agree um, with that sentiment of, I hope that they also expand this to other cultures and other minorities within the um, diaspora um, within the United States because we are a melting pot and we need to be able to elevate and show that as well as support, yeah, yeah other black creators too, so. Let me ask you this. I didn't see the list, but, and it said that they were going to, um, you know, have people pulled from a, a variety of genres. Are there any people on there who are like tech or um, science-based? Uh, because do we really need more? No, no tea, no shade to Kev on on stage, right? But do we need more of those? Do we need more Evelyn other internets? I mean, I hate to sound shady. I'm not trying to be shady. <laughs> no, I I agree because I did think Kev on stage is kind of a a a force to be reckoned with. He's kind of he he did that stuff on his own. He's kind of up there, and I don't feel that you know his kind of. Uh, it's kudos to him because he's been able to get a high, you know, stature on YouTube and like do that on by, all by himself. That's kind of like belief in fatherhood. I think that he, I didn't see his name on the list either, but I feel that they're like very similar in their content that they've created. So I don't expect to see him on that list. I thought I would see people that I was not familiar with. There are other people on there, but I think they have a really a pretty high following. Um, some of these people that I have been on YouTube for a very long time, they're not small creators. So these are people that I believe who already have a name for themselves and they're just going to push them further. And I also can say I'm not surprised at the people who are on this list because they have been coming up in my suggestions um, a lot more lately than ever before. So I have noticed that. So... I see them pushing them maybe further into the algorithm to be able to be seen more by more people. I think that's what's going on. So I will say that. Okay. And no, and to, also to answer your question, I did not see a lot of tech people. There's one guy called Marquise. I think he's really big in tech, but he doesn't need any help because Marquise is like a whole, like he's bigger than any other people that I like, not bigger than, but his platform is like, 20 million plus subscribers, young brother um, who reviews tech. He's amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't, science, I don't think I saw anybody from science either. So hopefully they'll tap into that. Sorry, I'm digressing. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a margarita too. Oh, nice. I wish, man, I wish I could. I'll join you and. Three more months. <laughs> um, all right, guys. My last headline um, is an exclusive that came from The Hollywood Reporter. And it states that Netflix partners with Dr. X Kendi for three projects based on his books. Now, I was not familiar with Dr. Ibram um, 
Kendi either, but um, I wanted to give you guys a background on him and what, what he's done. He's an American author, professor, anti-racist activist, and historian of race and discriminatory policies in America. Um, the article states that Dr. Kendi will collaborate with film and TV vet Roger Ross Williams, known for his documentaries, Mara Brock Akil, who is known for her series work on The Game and Girlfriends, etc. The list goes on and on. And Chris Nee, who is known for her animation for Dr. McStuffins. Um, and they will be adapting his bestseller books, Stamped from the Beginning, Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, and his last book, Anti-Racist Baby. So how they will be breaking these books up for the first book, Stamped from the Beginning, this book traces the roots and evolution of racist concepts in the United States in order to better understand today's society, which isn't as post-racial as some may believe. Um, this book will be a hybrid of a documentary slash script feature based on his book, um, Stamp from the Beginning, The Definition History of Racist Ideas in America. Roger Ross Williams will direct and produce this feature, and Mara Brockett Kill will serve as executive producer. For his next book, Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, um, according to Williams, this book outlines how deeply rooted racist ideas are in the United States under the notion that the only thing wrong with black people is that they think something is wrong with black people and encourage everyone to fight for more um, for a more equipped society. The film will be aimed at young adults, um, a YA audience, young adult audience, and will be a documentary that will serve as a companion to stamp from the beginning that explains racism in America um, in hopes of learning how not to recounter it. Um, Roger Ross Williams will be the director and producer of this and with Dr. Kendi serving as executive producer. His last book, Anti-Racist Baby, is a children's book that will be turned into a series of musical animation shorts that focus on the nine steps within the book. And Dr. Kendi will serve as executive producer and Chris Nee, who is an animator, will serve as the animator for this particular series. Um... Have you heard of Dr. Kendi? I have not heard of him. I have not heard of these books. And, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so me neither. I haven't heard of him as well. But he um, came to, I guess, notable fame after the Black Lives Matter movement this past summer. Um, and I guess he his books just flew off the shelves. And um, more and more people became known of him. And... This really reminds me of, and I feel that Netflix picked this up because of the success that HBO had with Lovecraft Country. Um, because it's giving me those vibes in a sense of kind of telling the story of African-Americans, uh, racial injustices, and also combining current day events. Well, we, well no, I would guess the documentary Wait, so is this, his stuff is fictional or? Well, no, it's not fictional. Okay. Well, I, mm, that's a good question. Girl, we don't know nothing about Dr. Ibram. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to uh, leave it at that and cut that because I really don't. I have no freaking clue. <laughs> I ain't never heard of this man. 
sorry to this man. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know him. I I can't even comment on this. Yeah. Um. But hey, he's doing amazing things with Mar Brock and Kill and Roger Ross Willis Williams, and we we'll, we will see his stuff when it drops on Netflix. How about that? That's it. Oh God. And that is it for <laughs> industry rundown. All right, you guys. So today on the spotlight, I wanted to um, highlight one of the actors that I think is um, on her way to becoming um, the greatest of all time. Like when I think about um, top five black actresses who are alive today, who has range, who can act their tail off, who I um, am rooting for every time I think of Viola, I think of Angela, I think of um, Regina, and I also think of Anjane Ellis. That's who I want to highlight today because um, I recently saw an article of hers in The Hollywood Reporter and, um, you know, I I felt like the article could have went deeper because there's just so many um, facets to this woman as an actress, as a person. But one of the things in particular in this article, she talked about um, the erasure of black genius, uh, black female geniuses in this country. And um, also her desire to want to be in more challenging projects, to want to be paid higher. And I think she absolutely deserves and has a proven resume um, to back up that that desire to want to be paid more, to be in more challenging roles. Um, she's been in this game for over 20 years. I mean, when I think about her portrayal in um, The Book of Negroes, um, when Bill Street can talk, if Bill Street could talk, um, if I think about her in this indie film called The Subject that I saw this um, summer, <laughs> powerful. When I think about her as Hippolyta in, in Lovecraft Country, I mean, I could go on and on about just how in debt she goes into her role and how much it means to her and what she brings to the screen. And it's such a gem. Um, she was also in the Clark Sisters last year. Was that last year that they came out, the Clark Sisters? I think the year before, honestly, at the end of 2019. Okay. Well, I mean, and honestly, if it wasn't for her in that movie, <laughs> I mean, that's that's just how I feel about it. Even though I love the Clark sisters, but it was her. It was her. You know, every time I see her, it's like, oh, it's her that is bringing this powerfulness on the stage. So I just want to shout her out, give her her flowers because they are well-deserved. And Hollywood, pay that woman because she deserves she deserves like she is a genuine actress y'all pay all i'm not gonna go on (laughs) i'm not gonna list all the other ladies i feel like y'all pay higher wages too that are none talented but give give miss ellis her flowers and her coins that's all i'm gonna say and that's on uh mary had a little lamb yeah, I think that's really dope. Yeah, I did see that. Um, were there any point or anything in within the article about the the erasure of black uh, genius uh, that you saw specifically that she pointed out um, that she wants to kind of see in Hollywood or that she's kind of rooting to happen? Yeah, so she did mention her desire to uh, make a biopic of Fannie Lou Hamer. 
Um, and if not a desire to um, be her herself, Fanny, uh, if just to write it and bring that to screen, another black genius female, right? Because um, we need to see more of us um, being extraordinary. I don't care um, if y'all think it's too much. <laughs> we need to see more biops of women doing great things in the past and in the future. So, absolutely agreed. Yeah, I've been following her as well, and um, I think she did an amazing job on Lovecraft Country. I miss Hippolyta, and her character was just—it was beautiful. Um, as well as the daughter's character in the film and their relationship, or the series rather, and just the fact of pushing that seeing that character and just pushing it to where it, it could be and where we could go with it and just seeing more of that I would love to see it because as we said like we haven't seen a lot of that before and we need to see more black female geniuses that needs to be normal normalized um within our community on television just representation of all facets need to be seen because we've seen the worst of the spectrum on there already enough times so let's have you know the the beauty of it um be shown so that's fantastic yeah all right guys on our next segment of stream or skip we will be reviewing two films the first will be one night in miami and the second will be american skin so first, we'll start off with One Night in Miami, um, which is a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown gathered to discuss their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural relevance of the 60s. The writer for this is, was Kemp Powers, who was the co-director of Soul. Um, and I believe he also did the play for this as well. Yes, he's the screenwriter, the playwriter for the, for the play, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the producer for this was Jessica Cadler, Keith Cadler, and Jody Klein. Um, the director was Regina King. Um, yeah. And the production company was ABKCO Films and Snoot Entertainment. Um, so, Brittany, I will throw this over to you. What did you like about the movie? Or what did you think, what were your thoughts rather, not just so much what did you like about it, but what were your thoughts, whether good or bad on the film? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought Regina King did an excellent job as her first directorial debut with One Night in Miami. Um, and even when I was, before knowing that it was a play prior to the film, it felt like a play. Um, the dialogue, um, the settings, it just kind of, it gave me that, that vibe. And so I was pleasantly surprised to be, um, on the money with that or, you know, accurate. Sorry. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought all the actors did a great job. Um, I'm a huge fan of, um, Lamar Odom Jr. And even Aldous Hodge. Um, and seeing the two faces I had never seen before, the, the guys who play, um, Muhammad Ali, Eli Gore, and, um, Kingsley Ben-Adair, who played Malcolm X, I, I really enjoyed watching them on stage and, or not on stage, on film. And I, the one particular thing that I liked about this film was I felt like 
it portrayed Malcolm X in a way that we had not seen before. I think when people say or think about notable uh, representations of Malcolm X and even of Muhammad Ali on character on screen, they think of Will Smith, Denzel Washington. And I think these two guys held their own. Not that I want to try to compare them, but I think they did just as a great of job as portraying those characters, those um, these real life men in a way that was fresh, you know, that didn't feel contrived or feel like um, it was a replication of what we already saw. In fact, with um, Kingsley's portrayal of Malcolm X, I felt like it was more... Um, humanity behind it usually when we see Malcolm X on screen he's regal he's um, bold he's fearless but this guy we got to see a little bit more of vulnerability um, a little bit more of ease he was talking to a group of friends um, so we got to see him in a different light and that's one of the things I really appreciate about this film so kudos to um, Kent Powers for writing it that way and for these actors of portraying it that way and Regina for directing them all. So, yeah, what about you? Absolutely. I, I enjoyed the film as well. Um, I thought all the actors did an amazing job. I will say that um, from the beginning, it did start off a bit slow for me, um, but that's to be expected because they were just setting up the individual backgrounds of each character and trying to get you pulled in and the fact that it was from the play and I enjoyed um, the dialogue that they um, all had throughout the, the film itself. Um, I thought it was beautifully written. Um, I thought that it portrayed all the characters and gave them their own spotlight in each moment um, to be able to get, like you said, more insight on that particular character and how these actors were, be able, were able to kind of show these historical figures in different lights that we've never seen them before. Um, I feel the vulnerability that you speak of with Malcolm X also was shown in uh, Muhammad Ali as well as Sam Cooke, as well as Jim Brown. Um, and so it carried on throughout each character. So I thought that was really nicely done. Um, and I also, the overall message of the film itself, I think was powerful. And I love the fact that they were able to kind of connect the dots and kind and just show or tell the story exactly of doing for our community in different ways, I would say. Just like everyone has their own take on how you can contribute to our community. And it may not be the same as per se, you're the way that you would do it, but as the way I would do it, but doesn't mean that you know, my way is lesser than or your way is lesser than. It may just be a different way of seeing things and how you execute them. Um, so I just, I really love that overall message um, within there. And I also loved um, the one particular shot that Regina King did that I noticed that I really um, loved was when the car was, uh, you see the, the four doors open in the car and the, the gentleman get out. I'm not spoiling anything, but just that particular shot just, just caught my eye because I don't think I've seen that in that particular way before. Um, not that it, it, it really, that particular point stuck out to me a lot. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought she did an amazing job with that camera angle and how she um, thought about that. But other than that, um, 
Yeah. So what what would you give this film? A stream or a skip, Brittany? A definite stream. I mean, it's on Amazon Prime. It's for the free. Well, not for free. If you if you have Amazon Prime, you can have access to it. You can watch it. And I think it's one that deserves a stream. I mean, like you said, the fact that this was a fictional conversation, but set around a real night uh, amongst a real group of friends and even just imagining how this one conversation about them... Um, in a sense, pushing or challenging one another to um, to do or be better was the catalyst of them like changing careers or writing a song or changing religions. You know what I'm saying? So it it, it was just um, it was a great fictional story based on real people. It was a great one. Absolutely, um, I would. Uh agree with uh, stream this it was beautiful to be able to watch this on MLK weekend um, it was it was a great caveat to be thrown in there for that and um, yeah definitely stream you'll enjoy this you can stream this with the children as well I think this is great for young um, young adults um, to be able to see this um, even kids as young as like I would say teenagers really um, and you know one other thing I'm sorry to cut you off that I liked about the film was the fact I mean we know about these characters of Sam Cooke and we know about um Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X but we don't have a lot of um historical context about on screen I should say about um Jim Brown right yeah so it was good to see to see that yeah, absolutely. I'm not too familiar with, I mean, I know his work from his films that he's done. Um, I know he was a football player, but I'm not really familiar with his um, work as far as like his football um, and his career there, but more so of his acting career and what he's done in th that aspect around. So, um, all right, guys. And the next film up that we will be talking about is American Skin. Now, American Skin is about a Marine veteran working as a school janitor that tries to mend his relationship with his son after a divorce. When his son is killed by a police officer found innocent without standing trial, he takes matters into his own hands. Now, the writer for this film was Nate Parker. The director for this film um, was Nate Parker. The film is starring Nate Parker, Amari Hardwick, Theo Ross, and... Bunap. Bo Bonap. You are so not a southerner. Bo is just such a southern name. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yes. I love it too. I love that name. I clearly have not had time to do Google pronounce um anything. <laughs> okay, so what did you think about American skin? Um from the trailer, I feel bamboozled. <laughs> Why? Um, I just feel that my intentions or what I thought that I was going to watch and see was not what I got, again, from the trailer. Now, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of times in the trailers um, lately, I feel that trailers give away a lot of the movie itself. Um, I would say for this film, what you see is not what you get. Is that, I think it's kind of give. I don't know if that gives it away or what, but. Okay, with that put aside, I mean, did you like it? No. Wow. Oh. 
girl please okay elaborate what what because i think that's one of the things i'm kind of like tripped up on just so you all know critically american skin is like abysmal for critics but when you look at its um audience score high high 90s close to 100 like 97 percent and i think i'm one of those people who i was like oh yes I really like this film, and you seem to be the opposite. So I really want to know why that is. I just feel that, I mean, I get the story. I understand that, that's cool. Again, I think it's just more so is that I went into the film thinking one thing, and I got something else. So I went in thinking that I'm gonna get John Q on steroids. I didn't get that. I think it was John Q on steroids. What was it not about John Q on steroids? What were you... I, I, so even with your... Taking your expectations out of what you thought it was and what it ended up being, you still feel like it was not a good movie. No, taking my expectations out of, the, of my feelings out, taking my feelings out of the equation... I thought it was a good film overall. I do. The conversation within the film was great. I thought the um, the angle that they took with it, kind of the, the the way it was shot, I thought it was really dope and a very new perspective on that. I thought it was a really good film in general itself as far as like the writing, directing, the film itself is great. I just feel that my feelings and what I expected from the film, no. Okay. No, okay, so when I watched this film, again, like I said at the top of the show, it I was very emotional. Like, I cry like boo-tears. Several points in the story. Because, um, you know, we just finished talking about One Night in Miami. And to think about the greatness of Malcolm King, Malcolm King, Malcolm X, um, Dr. King with it being MLK Week, um with Sam Cooke and thinking about how these lives were cut down because of racism, the conversations that they were having because of race. And here we are 50 years later with American skin, still trying to prove to people our humanity, our validity um, of why we don't deserve to be shot and killed for our skin. And I thought, I'm a huge fan of Nate Parker. I would say this. You know, he had his his thing. And I do feel like I was glad to see him back. I would say that. I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a great actor. And I thought he did really well in this film. And I think my problem with this whole thing was like, why didn't the <laughs> And I read several critic pieces of why they did not like this film. And I could not find anyone that was justified. All the critics were white. And I just felt like they didn't understand the point of... Because some of them felt like it was overly preachy. Um, oh, wow, no. Yeah. I felt like it drove, it drove the point. I mean... I think, the, okay, so my perspective of it, the reason why, like, I think, 
again, it's, it's just the fact that I thought it was going to be something. I thought, I don't want to give it away, but I just thought they were going to drill home a lot harder than what they went. Basically, that's all. But as far as like the message and what they were talking about, I think it's a valid conversation to be had. And if we were, I mean, it, it reminded me also of kind of um, a time to kill in a sense. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't, and we're still having that conversation just in a different perspective or a different way. It's the same exact conversation. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. If Maybe they just didn't, they didn't want to take that or, you know, I don't know. I think in the light of racial protests um, and unrest that we saw in the summer of 2020, um, American skin was right on time. And I felt like in a way that I had not seen in previous films, it gave, um, it showed a dialogue between um, the points of those who support Blue Lives Matter <laughs> right and how they view things and what they see um versus black lives matter again you know i know the point of this segment is to not give away the show or the the film but think of john q think about that scenario and then place it in american skin but the only backdrop is a black boy died right so I think the industry does not like Nate Parker. I don't know why they don't like Nate Parker, um, but nobody is checking for him. Um, I even thought A Birth of a Nation was a pretty good film. Mm -hmm. But I will say this to any filmmaker or any critic, not critic, any filmmaker, if there is something, a story, a perspective that you feel like you want to do, do it. Because what the critics may say or how they may feel is invalid. If you are getting your point across, if it's your message, if it's your intent that you want to share out there in the world. Because if you think about what the critics are saying about American Skin, what the audiences are saying about American Skin, it's two different things. Audiences are loving it. Critics are not. So as a filmmaker, as a content creator, you know, you have to choose of what you're going to hold value and put stock in. Is it the people who are watching it or is it the critics? Do you want the accolades? I mean, Tyler Perry don't care about... <laughs> he caters to his audience. And I, I mean, I think there's something to that. Like, I just don't understand why people did not like this film. And it should hit home to you. If you're a black American, you you should be like. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to give it away. But I think it's a definite stream. What do you think? I think it's a stream. But I will say that if you're like me and you think the trailer is going to be. Because I saw people, someone people on my Facebook, they, they did not like the film either because they felt, they felt a, a ways about it because they thought it was going to be one way and it was different as I did. And I know exactly what they're talking about. So again, watch it, definitely stream, but, um, yeah, it, 
I don't want to give it away. See, now I have to go back in and um, watch the trailer. I did not watch any trailers. I oh. did not. Um, yeah, I only knew about. I didn't even know. I know about the whole premise of him like going into the police station and trying to take that over. I just knew that this was a film that circulated through the festivals last year. Um, Spike Lee was back in it. It was controversial. It was Nate Parker's um, kind of ascend back into the light. And I had no idea what any of it was about other than like police brutality. I mean, I thought he was a police officer. So that's why I'm saying I, I knew nothing about it. So got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That trailer, that trailer is misleading, misleading, um, especially because, like I said, nowadays trailers give away pretty much the whole plot of the film. Um, it, it did. It gave away the plot of the film, but you'll yeah. But yeah, again, I thought I seriously thought John Q on steroids. But see, when you think when I think about it, I think it is John Q on steroids. <laughs> But you wanted you wanted some bodies to hit the flow. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I wanted. That is exactly what I wanted. I wanted that. That's what I thought I was going to get. That is exactly what I thought I was going to get. I'm gonna cut this out, but I thought that was going to. Ha- I literally thought that was going to happen. That's what I wanted to see. That's why I said John Q on steroids because John Q was willing to murder and go down for that. That's what I thought Nate Parker was going to do. That's what the that's what the trailer made it seem like. Okay, so to that point, um, I do think that had that been the ending, like. Had he done that at the end of the movie, that would have been like, because I think what, okay, because at the beginning of the film, I felt like they were trying to drive home the point, like, sometimes we got to share blood for blood. We got to go violence for violence. That's what they, that's what they doing for us. We got to do blow for blow. Right. Right. And we didn't get that. And I felt like... There's no way Nate Parker's character thought he was going to come out at the end of this alive. So if you if you didn't think that, then you should have pulled that trigger. And that would have been a lot more powerful. But on the flip side of that, it's just like what the what the guy said, the young filmmaker who interviewed him was like, if you do this, you're going to make this worse on all of us. And I do feel like that would have it would have made a ripple of repercussion. But it was already so him going in there anyway already made it worse for us, regardless of the situation of how it came how he came out. It didn't matter. Once he decided to go in that police um office or whatever, the station, and shot it up the way he did, that is it. It's all that was it. That, I mean, we're we're already targets. Like, so what's gonna be even worse? I mean, what what? All okay. I think only thing this was going to show people is that it's an eye for an eye at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, you all have pushed us to the point of where we're not taking this anymore. So if you kill one of ours, we're coming for you. And that is it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And we're shooting it up. But that wasn't his point. That's why he brought the keys because he wanted to show he, I think he kind of wanted to show the world Right, that I am a father grieving, and what you guys are doing to us is driving us crazy. Right, and I get it. I I got that point. I understood that. But what I'm saying from the trailer and how it looked, 
You it. thought you thought that was gonna be in a pop pop pop. pop. <laughs> okay, you thought it was gonna be more action. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be more action. I thought it was gonna be more, but it was just like a conversation. Which you know, if they would have shot the trailer differently, maybe I would have had a different feeling going into this, um, and I wouldn't have felt like so. Black Panther, like, yeah, let, let's do this. We're going to go in there. we going, you know, because you know what? Omari Harwood's character is dying from cancer. You know what I'm saying? Like, all y'all bands, y'all know y'all dying. Like, so y'all going in this knowing that you're not coming out. And y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but I can kind of see why he didn't take it there. Then, like, he would have been another name drop for inciting riots or inciting violence. I mean, that's I can see both. I can see both sides. But you saw the news afterwards. They still pegged him as a freaking terrorist, the enemy, and you know what? It doesn't matter. And I think that's the point. Also, it doesn't matter regardless of how he that situation went down. He was still gonna be pegged and painted a certain way because he he was even when the so, trying to vouch for him at the end. He was trying to block them from like doing anything front to him, and they still shot him in the head. Right. So do you think that that was also the point of Nate Parker as the writer was trying to say, like, I could talk to y'all till I'm blue in the face. I can show y'all demonstrations. I could do riots. I could do this, that, and that. I could literally go in here and shoot up a police station, put a gun to your head so you can know that feeling. And y'all still are going to dehumanize me. Of course. I know. Do you think that that was one of his angles? Yeah, I do know that's one of his angles. Like, yeah, I, you know, this is where we could take it to, but I didn't go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you pushed me to the edge, but I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger. He literally, like, it was, you pushed me there. I'm not pulling the trigger. Yeah, it would have definitely been another film had he pulled the trigger. And I also wanted to get more, like, perspective on his writing. And there are no interviews, uh, no kind of press for American skin. Cause I even wanted to know what the character, yeah, he wanted to be word of mouth. He wanted to be controversial. I wanted to know what the character of officer Randall, um, played by Bo Knapp, um, how he felt because I mean, in essence, this is his second film in which he's playing a character who killed a black teenager as an officer because he was in, um, Netflix's, um, Oh my gosh! What was the name of that sh- that um, series that was on? Um, that was on YouTube, not YouTube. Um, n- it was on Netflix with Regina King. He ran over the boy. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Seven seven pounds. Yeah, seven. No, seven no. seconds. Seven seconds. Yeah. You know, so he also played an officer that you know that killed. A black teenager. So I'm wondering if he feels like in any kind of way going back to like what are you contributing to the message of society? If he feels like I if I can help to drive home the point like this is BS, then I will continue to play these cops who is Blue Lives Matter, who is thinking about racial bias and all of this stuff. I don't know. But because we don't have any press, no interviews, we'll just have to, you know, we just have to infer. 
think I do, yeah, but I do agree that like the dialogue, I understand the point of the film. I get where Dave Parker's coming from. I know what he was trying, you know, to say, but it's just I wanted him to go there. I just one it would be nice for him to go there, but I don't think a black filmmaker is gonna go there. And I and I would be even interested to know if perhaps he did go there, but kind of honed it back. His well, producers are white. And I thought, well, well, yeah, but it's like Hollywood already does not mess with you right now, Nate Parker. Like, and, that, and that's the reason why I thought he was going to go there because I knew he, he had no, he's blackballed. So I knew, I thought he was just like, fuck it then. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> like, I'm going to make the film I want to make. And I'm going <laughs> to how I want to shoot. I'm going to say, tell the stories that I want to tell by at this point. You know, that's, and that's another reason why I thought just me knowing his backstory and what he's going through right now like that's another reason why i thought he was really just going to take it there and yeah that's okay well maybe it's a selfish thing of me maybe yeah. no, no 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 i get it i mean now that now that we've gotten to the nitty-gritty of why you don't <laughs> like it then um that makes a lot more sense to me. And I encourage you to keep this part in the show because I think that I think is I think both sides are needed. Yeah. Yeah, we thought we thought it was gonna be shoot up at the club. Yeah, but the trailer was just bang, boom, boom, and I was like, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. We saw a cut of like the police officer sitting at the desk, he's like locked to the desk. And I was like, <laughs> Hell yeah, he's about to fuck some shit up. He was like, like I'm gonna I'm get y'all in there, but I'm gonna let y'all know it's peace. And then and then you saw like the line they shot, um, you saw like the um the inmates, like these are your your you know, your your jury. And I was like, Yeah, man, this is about to be oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what why, why the fuck are we still talking? Okay. So now I see what you um okay. Well Yeah, so okay. guys, as you can see, we spoiled that a little bit. Um so I'll I'll I will definitely uh do a I don't know how I'm gonna say that. Uh damn, I should have said spoiler alert on that section, but um yeah, we'll see. I don't feel like we spoiled too much of the movie. I think you can still watch the movie and then grab from it what you can because you still want to watch it if not to hear this interesting dialogue that takes place. I mean, yeah, definitely because the dialogue is something that um we can't we can tell you know it's 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 something that you need to watch and see and you know get a better understanding of and the different perspectives that they definitely pull from um in the film. And, and it was a shock. It was some shockers to me, and some some elements of shock and surprise, which is kind of hard to do today. I think with films, it's the element of surprise, and you know, well, clearly it surprised the hell out of me because I thought it was gonna be completely different. But um, yeah. <sighs> all right, well, that's a wrap on this. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> bang bang. <laughs> Attention all independent filmmakers, producers, writers, directors, you name it. We are looking for your content. If you have a movie, a short film, animation, or all of the above, um, we want to watch and review and rave about your work. 
to submit, please email us at blackandbehindthescenes at gmail.com or reach out and connect with us on IG at Black and Behind the Scenes. Okay, crew, that's it for us this week. If you are watching us on YouTube, please like this video, comment, and subscribe. And if you are listening, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate every download and view. Stay safe and don't forget sharing is caring. Until next time, I'm Brittany. And I'm Antoinette. Bye. Bye.